Good Evans, it's the Bobcast. Welcome to episode 31. I'm your host, Bob Evans, aka Kevin Mitchell. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, this episode's a little different to the normal format of the show, as was episode 30 as well, um, as we are now a number of weeks into the global health crisis that is COVID-19. I've started recording these again after taking a break just to tackle some of the crazy shit that is happening now and the problems and issues that are coming to the surface so for the next little while this is going to be a little musicians podcast about life during the global pandemic uh how it's changing and what the fuck we are all going to do um i know i've set up an email address that email address is goodevansbobcast at gmail.com that's goodevansbobcast at gmail.com so Please email me any questions or ideas for content. I've received a grand total of one email so far. Uh, so come on, I, I know people are listening. I've seen the download numbers. I've read all your comments on social media, and that's all great. But if you could just shoot me an email, if you're enjoying the podcast, just give me something. I will read it out. We'll talk about it. It's precisely the kind of free content I need to keep this little podcast up and running. <laughs> Uh, my regular guest for these episodes shall be my good friend, Josh Pike. And Josh just appeared on the ABC program Q&A on Monday night. So there's lots to talk about. He's here with me again. So let's get stuck into it. Episode 31 of Good Evans, It's a Bobcast. Josh, how you going? Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm not too bad. I can tell you that my garage has never looked cleaner or tidier <laughs> or more well organized. I'm thinking of tackling the cupboard under the stairs tomorrow. Ooh. Have how have you been since we last talked? And I don't know what do your days look like at the moment? Oh man, they're pretty they're pretty hectic. I mean, we've got as do you. I've got two kids with my wife, and we uh, so we. A tag teaming homeschooling, so she she works full time as well. So uh, she's able to work from home, which is fantastic. But uh, yeah, basically, get up in the morning. We're trying to keep structure for the kids uh, and for our own sanity, definitely. So breakfast, blah blah blah, bit of exercise, a walk or a bike ride, and then into into schoolwork for the morning, um, which I do. And then we break for a bit of lunch, and then my wife does the Arvo shift, so I can get some work done, and then. We both often have to get back and do some work in the evening as well. So it's it's hectic. It's hectic. You know, and it's interesting because I've read reports that a lot of people who are currently now working from home and who haven't in the past are getting an average of three hours work more done right. from home than they usually do. And for me, who's always worked from home, um, who, who I've always had, you know, a chunk of six hours since my kids have been going to school that I just smash out and get work done. And mm. I, I reckon I'm getting about three hours less work done so it's interesting <laughs> so you're you're in sydney um so that means officially school holidays don't start till next week is that right 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so what's the had... plan? Are you going to? So you're keeping up the school structure. Are you? What are you? Are you going to sort of have an unofficial school holidays? Are you going to maintain some of that school structure through the holidays as well? Or what's, I, what's your plan? I kind of feel. I mean, I've been. I mean, this is less about music and more about parenting. But I, I mean, my my kid's school is fantastic. No, absolutely no disrespect to to teachers in any way. But obviously, when you're teaching, when you're like literally one on two with my two kids, yeah, um, you can just get a lot done you know and i and i feel like they've been making sort of more progress than they do at school because they're not distracted by other kids and they have the f- the full attention of one dedicated adult yeah um so i kind of feel like it's a good opportunity to kind of keep it keep it going um so i will definitely back it off during the holidays in inverted commas but i don't think we'll stop and also like we can't go anywhere anyway so yeah might as well just keep a bit of structure in there and and push through. No, I think that's a, a fine kind of comment to make because, well, well, for one, you know, we all have to try and look for the silver linings in this situation because it is, you know, pretty pretty awful. Mm. But but also too, I think most teachers, you know, my wife's a teacher. I think a lot of teachers will would fully um, uh, understand that, you know that one-on-one time that you have with a kid is so incredibly valuable, you know, and in a lot of ways it, it, it does kind of just illustrate what a difficult task it is for a teacher to try and educate classrooms of between, you know, anywhere between 20 and 30 kids at a time. They, they, just, they just physically cannot oh, 100%. Um, uh, do that's that very much, stuff. Yeah, that's very much my point. I mean, our public school system is massively overcrowded and under-resourced. Which we know, underfunded, under-resourced, um, and so uh, again, no, no disrespect to teachers. It's just a mathematical equation, isn't it? Like one yeah. parent on two kids is always going to be a bit more effective than yeah. thirty one out one out on thirty kids. So yeah, yeah. So that's been it's been interesting. I don't think we'll be getting any teachers offside for that. Um, I, I've found also too that um, just uh, I'm feeling the. I'm feeling a lot more compelled, and I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but just reaching out to people. Like today, I've spent quite a lot of time on the phone. I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've, I called my mum today, and I've been trying to kind of call her. She lives in Perth. She lives on her own. She's elderly. Uh, she's immunocompromised. So, you know, she's, she's doing fine, but, um, but you know, this is a, a pretty horrible situation for her in her, in her circumstances. Um, mm. So I've been, you know, making a real effort to check in with her. Um, also, you know, I had a big, long conversation with my manager about stuff, which, you know, we, we can talk about uh, a little bit later, um, just about, you know, some of the stimulus packages and how that's all kind of working yeah. for us. Um, yeah. I did an interview today with a broadsheet paper um, about uh, just, you know, talking from the musician's perspective about what's been going on. Um, I had a big, long conversation to our friend Craig Hawker, who is my publisher um mm, I, had a, I had a really long conversation with him the other day as well which was fabulous i haven't spoken to him for ages yeah, yeah it's, it's funny isn't it you do kind of you suddenly like okay everybody is pretty much at home so this is mm. a good opportunity to have a chat and it's been yeah I, I've, I do feel like i mean when i was on q a i did i was trying to point out that there were big problems with what we're all facing but i was trying to kind of 
say that one thing that is happening is that we're all kind of realizing that we're in in this thing together there's no you know this virus doesn't discriminate Mm. um and its effect on everybody is more or less the same unless you're massively massively rich which of course the ceo of the commonwealth bank who was on (laughs) the well that's okay well you've you've taken us into that so that was going to be the next thing so you appeared on Q&A on Monday night as we record this. It's uh, Wednesday night. I'm still mm. just keeping track of the days, but I can see yeah, that slowly mean, slipping yeah. away. Um, so how did it go? I, I, I watched it. I thought you did a really great job. I thought you were, you know, I messaged you uh, oh, thanks, earlier man. today just saying, or yesterday I think it was, just saying, you know, you were really articulate and measured. You did a really great job at, at representing your community in what was, you know, pretty difficult circumstances. I've got to say when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, I've been a fan of that show for years um, and always, you know, quietly held little uh, secret fantasies of appearing on it one day and, you know, b- just blowing people away with my, you know, political nouse <laughs> but um but at the same time though the reality is it, it would be terrifying and but but i you did it in tough circumstances because like you said you the guests on that panel you know you had the ceo of the commonwealth bank <laughs> these financial people it was a dry it was a really dry it, panel and um so i, I yeah. felt for you i felt because it wasn't like you know, the thing that I like most about that show is the discussion of, you know, social politics and cultural ideas and all that kind of, you know, and all that sort of stuff that's happening. Uh, but this was, uh, by, in comparison to many that I've seen, a pretty dry kind of subject matter. So, you know, I, I think you did very well under the circumstances. Yeah, oh, thanks. I mean, it was it's dry, but it's also like the heaviest subject matter you can possibly imagine. You know, like I, I I've also watched the show for years and always thought I wouldn't mind going on that. You know, like have a, <laughs> have, a have a crack at talking some shit about, you know, art, you know, politics in regards to the arts and stuff like that. Um, but you know, so I was super super nervous. Like I was like basically bordering on a fucking panic attack the whole time. Dude, I um, I, I totally. I, I, look, all I can say is unequivocally, and I'm sure that anybody else watching would say the same thing. It didn't come across like that, and I think oh, that's. Thank you. But that's like the natural performance thing, right? I mean, we've it been is. Yeah, spending yeah, totally. our whole adult lives dealing with, um, you know, being really fucking nervous or really, really anxious, but performing and you know, and making sure that nobody can tell. So. You know, I think that you managed to pull that off really well. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Um, yeah. So I found that in that on that particular panel, um, Nikki, the um, the economist from Deloitte, was a, a real ally of the arts, and she wasn't particularly um, sympathetic to the government in any way. C- CBA guy was. I didn't. I thought he came across as an entitled rich man who was like you know <laughs> relishing in the fact that the the um that you know regulators were going easier on banks which Hamish didn't really push that point too much uh and obviously the politicians I wasn't you know didn't have much in common with but what I, I what I kind of felt like before I went on the show I was like all right there's some really th- heavy things that I could say from both an artist you know musician but also as, as a parent um, mm. self-employed person, a whole different range of things that I could comment on. But I just I just realized that in that situation I was gonna have a limited amount of, you know, cracks at the cracks of the whip or whatever the expression is, you know. Like I was yeah. they they try and meter it out and there was just like cause that the um all the information about the subsidies had come out, about the most recent stimulus package had come out that afternoon, right? Yeah. So and I was talking to people from the industry and, and we were all kind of 
going, the main the main thing that we wanted to get across from an artist point of view was that we work under loads of different business models, but yeah. we're actually a super agile professional industry that handles disruption really, really well. But we need some kind of subsidy that does apply to us in order for us to come out the other end of this and fire the industry back up and 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 make that money for the economy. Because like most people, you know, and I saw it in the fucking comments of afterwards, like people on Twitter saying, um, oh, when you pay taxes, then I'll listen to your opinion. I was like, man, I'll show you my tax return. Uh, I, guarantee, I guarantee you I pay more tax than you. This is why, you know, it can be dangerous reading comments because, you know, that all those comments illustrate is a a, a, a really ignorant and I think a minority kind of idea about the dull bludging musician, you know. Well, that's, um, and that's, that's exactly what I wanted to dispel. So I wanted to be on there... I wanted to speak articulately. I wanted to pretty much stay in my lane, not try and sort of jump down the CBA guy's throat about, you know, whether or not his his role is worth his monetary value, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that that's stuff that you know I, I would happily get into in a in a different scenario. But what I was focused on was trying to push the point to the government and particularly Paul Fletcher, who would have been watching, um, pushing the point that it is still totally possible that we may slip between the cracks for these subsidies because Absolutely. of the yeah. because of the eligibility criteria and we just didn't and I still don't fully know but we definitely didn't know at that point um, that was that was one thing and the other thing that I wanted to point out was just that you know it's flippant and kind of it's 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 not helpful for people to say oh you know the music industry should just pivot and start doing online concerts and, like that's just fucking stupid and that's like immature that that is immature like amateur hour you know to say that mm. like to to pivot into a full paid streaming format you need an investment of cash to buy all the gear to make that happen mm. you need a better fucking internet national broadband network and you need people to actually willingly get into that format and that's that's starting a whole new business and at yeah. this point we're I, just trying to get through you know like we, uh, we can't I agree. Yeah, so, that, there yeah. was like a yeah. It's it's a simplification of a of an idea. And I, um, the lady who was sitting next to you, I can't remember what was her name. Nikki. Nikki. Nikki yeah, and she Deloitte. sort of brought up, and she sort of, and I know it was just a, an example that perhaps just, and it may have even been off the cuff. So you know, not not sort of being overly critical, but um, I think she said something like, uh, you know, a business like a. Tra- business that's got trucks well, we've got trucks you know you know how can we um use that uh you know that resource uh you know maybe we can start transporting food or whatever now just, that's just a kind of idea and as a simple idea yeah sure it makes sense but i i'm not an expert on these things right but even i know that to change just transporting uh you know say bloody i don't know whatever you're transporting for fucking chairs or something to food means that you're then going to have to uh, – there's so many regulations around yeah. health and safety that comes with food of more than anything. Um, That's right, yeah. And the idea that just because you've got a truck, you can just suddenly go from transporting one thing to another without having to deal with the all the regulations that come with that is a massive oversimplification of, of the idea. Yeah, for me, it's just it's, – it's the frustration that I've had for years with – with P 
people commenting on the music industry. Everyone's entitled to opinion, 100%. I'm entitled to my opinion on politics, which I certainly don't know enough about to really, you know, go on a TV show and talk yeah. about it. But the thing about people commenting on music is that everybody loves music. So everybody feels like they're an expert on music and the industry to some extent. So everybody has a very firm opinion. And you and I would have, you know, had it all the time. Everyone's very, very happy to tell you about, uh, you know, your performance or your or your album or that they liked your old stuff better than your new stuff or, or what you should do on your next album and stuff like that because everybody loves music and is emotionally attached to it and so they feel like they can kind of comment on it. But... And that's fine to an extent, but when it's not fine is when people start saying things like, our oh, streaming's killing this industry. It's it's not, okay? I'm a, I, it is not. Like if you are still relying on CD sales in this day and age, then you're a hobbyist and you're not, I don't think you're qualified to really comment on the industry. You know, yes, sure, streaming should pay more and probably in the future it will. But streaming is also the thing that has allowed me and you to have fans in countries that we've never toured to and collect revenue streams no matter how small it is from countries that we've never been to Mm. so it's things like that and also you know um the idea of well so you know when when i had to cancel my shows i got lots of comments and this is again no disrespect to the people that made these comments it's just a lack of understanding but people saying oh can you do a streaming concert and play this 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 it's like I, I'm literally just had all my income cancelled for six months. I'm scrambling to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. The last thing I'm thinking about is trying to pivot to a streaming model and figure out how I would get paid for that and stuff like that at this point. Like maybe in, in a few months, but like we all just need to accept that. I mean, I don't. I think everybody should has the right to an opinion, but to a degree, we need to kind of stay in our lanes at this point. For instance, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to publicly comment about like um what we should all be doing hygiene wise beyond what the doctors are saying because i'm not a doctor you know Mm. so that's 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 the thing that i was concerned about on that show was that i was going to well a i was going to be asked about stuff that i had no position to speak on and b that people were going to say things that were just naive when it comes to the to the music industry um just moving on to the next port of call. Um, was that too? Was that too hot for you? No, Kieran? no, that, no. I liked it. I eh? just, I just eh? wanted was to. Was that let... too radical for you? <laughs> too radical. <laughs> huh? just, eh? I just wanted to let you go. Eh? I wanted to let you go, Parky. You're frightened. You're I frightened know, of the comments. I, I know what. No, I know what it's like. You know, when Parky gets on a rant, you just get <laughs> get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, something that's just come up during last week that I thought we could quickly mention too, and and um, this is something that I guess only musicians will be, affects only musicians. But uh, APRA um, have uh, pushed forward, uh, so they've come up with this idea where uh, the live performance returns, which you know are the royalties that all musicians are paid when they play shows, uh, play live anywhere around the world. Uh, they're normally sort of paid to us um, in a as a sort of lump sum in November. They're moving that payment forward to May, um, it's, uh, just as a as a way to uh, obviously to try and alleviate some of the financial uh, stress that we're experiencing. Um, it's calculated on the last financial year's live return. So um, now, look, this is the, this is a great initiative, and everyone's going to take whatever they can get in this situation but it does make me question what if and and, you know i'm gonna 
throw to you, Josh, on this because you've just had the last few years off touring. Mm. Like, how is that going to work for you when in the last financial year you barely played and you but whereas like on a, on a regular financial year you would have been playing heaps i mean to be honest i just i, I think it's swings and roundabouts isn't it i mean i, I think that it's going to help a lot of people and it, and it won't necessarily help some people but it's it's a i just think i honestly think that APRA and pbca and and the um rights organizations that represent artists uh, musicians in particular have hugely stepped up to the plate like collecting data to take to, to I know that they're all sitting down with Paul Fletcher and making sure that we don't slip between the cracks for these subsidies. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's 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 not perfect, but and I and I personally may miss out, but I do think that it's it's better than it's the you know it's what it's what they could come up with. It's what know? they it's can. What, yeah, they're doing what they can do. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's one thing that like you know there was a couple of things that like um a couple of times what I kind of wish that I had spoken up, but I just knew that I didn't have the time, which was. Um, for instance, when, you know, they were talking about it's not a perfect system and, you know, we have to give the government credit because it's not a perfect system, it's a difficult time, da da da, da and they really don't know what's going on. And that's all true, but, like, a lot of other countries like the Netherlands, Denmark, um, New-, New Zealand, Germany, and the UK announced these kinds of subsidies, you know, sometimes th- two or three weeks ago, sometimes yeah. last week. Yeah. So there, there, there were precedents for doing better, Yes. Having said that, I think that, like in the music industry, we are we are used to being disrupted, and we come through. <laughs> totally, we come through it really well. Like we, you know, we had to, we already had to suffer the whole thing of piracy and transition successfully into streaming. So I think we're kind of used to it, which is why I do feel optimistic about the arts in that context. But the, the other thing that was interesting, which I think is worth noting in terms of positive outcomes, is what the um, economist from Deloitte was saying about you know how this whole thing could potentially alter how we how we view working from home in the future and in particular for women and working mums how this could open up a real game changer because they'll have all the data for for like you know if we were productive during this period of of working from home and if we are which I'm absolutely sure we will be then it highlights that that women in particular can work from home and still handle you know like childcare all the things that they've traditionally been kind of fucked over with um, and prevents them from kind of um, going f- further in their organisations at the same rate as men, that that could be a positive outcome. So I think, you know, it swings and roundabouts. We've got yeah. to look at silver linings as well. I think, no, I think it's a really good point. Uh, I mean, we've obviously there's a long way to go before uh, we get to the other side of this and be able to kind of reflect on what we've learned. But... um. But I think you're right. I think there's going to be a massive amount of just uh, social uh, issues that this time is going to raise. And a lot of those, yeah, could be really, really positive. I mean, um, and I can't remember again if we talked about this last time. I've been talking to so many different people, obviously, as we all have been, about mm. all of this. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting sort of coming out of the awful summer of bushfires that Australia just experienced and, and how uh, climate change really became top of, top of the agenda at that time. And, and, and obviously it's been a, a fairly fiercely kind of <laughs> debated issue for a while, but it, it, it really was top of the agenda. And, and I do wonder if maybe going through this and coming out the other side of it, if it might just um, uh, help some people who felt like 
radical change in a short period of time was just impossible or it was <laughs> insane or it was crazy it was going to kill the economy all of that stuff if we might come out of the back out of the top of this and go oh well, man if we can if we can do this if we can get through this and survive like surely yeah. we could apply some of the same things that we've learned some of the same ideas and principles to tackling the issue of climate change which is every bit the same existential threat that this is far more so because at least with this there is um you know there is the idea of you know we can't create a vaccine a, a vaccine for climate change unfortunately no that's um, right so well, i read it i read it sorry you, you go. no 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 you go well, I just I read it's very much to what you're saying, but I read an interesting article. I, w- I wish I could remember the name of the guy, but he was like a sort of social philosopher kind of guy, um, and he was saying that uh, you know this has shown that we under in a crisis we can unify and get shit happening in a in an incredibly short amount of time. But he was saying that the the reason is because historically. The, t- the other times that we've been able to do that is basically war, yeah. And the and because you have a you have a known identifiable enemy, and so you can all unify around that. So it's like you're fighting the Germans, you're fighting, you know, in the Vietnam War or whatever. Um, uh, and then in this case, you have an identifiable enemy, which is COVID nineteen. Whereas climate change is such a long and broad ranging issue that. Yeah. People and there's so many like everybody thinks COVID nineteen is bad. Like no matter what you think the um, ramifications or the methodology Mm. in trying to get through it is, it's like everybody knows it's bad. Whereas climate change deniers will say that there, you know, climate change is just happening naturally or that it's not happening at all or whatever. So we have a we have a rallying point around this one. Whereas issues like climate change and world hunger and stuff like that is still. It's still it's still a difficult one to to unify people around because there are so many people with differing opinions and also people with you know massive economic investment in technology that would go away if we made changes to to combat climate change, whereas nobody there's nobody going like ah oh, this COVID nineteen thing could actually be if we ride this out this could actually be good for the economy if we just kind of let this thing go sure so. Although That's, you do still have, you know, someone like Donald Trump who just even as recently as a week ago was warning about, you know, let's not make sure that the, 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 the cure is worth yeah, yeah. the cure is worse than the virus itself. And so there is still a little bit of that that But thing. you know, like you know, I mean this is the I I'm am generally an optimist, but I don't have a hell of a lot of faith in humans. <laughs> and like and and I apologies to any Americans listening, but the American population is baffling to me because his ratings are at an all-time high right now he's fucking this shit up so badly and his ratings are at an all-time high and it's because he basically goes on stage every time and says we are killing it we are doing the best job ever we are amazing i am a genius and everyone just kind of goes oh that's the message that i want to hear so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna buy into that given up on trying to given up on trying to make any sense of anything uh that uh, goes on politically in America at the moment with Trump at the helm because it's just so chaotic and so ridiculously all over the fucking shop that it's just it's too too difficult. Um, um, but you know, but ha- having faith in talking about faith in humans, there was a really sweet thing that's happened this week that yeah, I've noticed no, around. yeah, do tell because I've got one as well. So you tell me yours and then I'll well, you show me around. yours and I'll show you mine. Ooh, Josh. All right, are we on Zoom? Can we split screen this shit? Anyway, anyway let's just turn um, it. Okay. <laughs> um, 
so at around my neighbourhood in the inner west in Sydney, um, my kids' teacher, like we're all on, you know, the the class app or whatever to stay in touch. Right. And she she mentioned that um, uh, one of the classmates had gone out on a on a bear on a bear hunt. We oh, walk yeah. around the neighbourhood and spot spot bears. Yeah. We're like, oh, what's that? And then we you know kind of searched it up or whatever. And everybody, I think this is happening all over yeah, the place. Yep. People are putting bears in the trees. So yeah. when all these kids are at a loose end, their parents take them for a walk and you spot how many bears you can see in the trees. And then you say, how, you know, you count the bears. Was it an odd number? Was it an even number? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we put, you know, Pooh Bear up in our tree out the front. And every morning you hear these little kids going past going, Mom, Dad, there's another one. Yeah, and yeah. I, I got to say, that's that's a really sweet thing that's happened this week that's given me a bit of a... Bit of a boost. Yeah, no, we, we the same thing's happening around here. We've stoked, had a couple of bears in the window. Um, the one that happened to me today was I was, um, well, you know, I was picking up my dog's shit from the back lawn, which, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. in these current times is, you know, not so bad. Um, we're, talking, we're talking Alfie, right? Yeah, Alfie, Alfie. my, my yeah, beautiful Alfie. Uh, 13-year-old beagle. Um, anyway, so I'm picking up his poo and taking it around the front to put in the rubbish bin and my next-door neighbour's mowing his lawn. And um, I hadn't seen him for weeks since a lot of this sort of stuff came down. So, you know, um, yeah, he turned off his mower and we we uh, stopped to chat a good sort of five metres away from each other. But um, <laughs> he's he's a paramedic. We were just catching up. You know, he knows that I'm a musician. He was asking me how I was, you know. He's saying you know, he's a paramedic. So he's saying, look, you know, um, life uh, work is pretty tough at the moment, but I'm just really grateful that I've still got a job. Mm. But he's he said that um, one of the great things that he uh, experienced over the weekend just gone was that um was that going into emergency over the weekend normally you know i live in a place called ocean grove which just it lies out, just outside of geelong in victoria um in the big uh, emergency department in geelong that he frequents through his work uh on a regular weekend just be overflowing with people right um mm. uh, but he said that this last weekend only two people went into emergency so what that means is that um <laughs> a people are really listening and taking on board advice b people aren't rushing off to emergency over something that isn't really uh, an emergency right which would happen all the time um and c maybe you know because all the um you know, because there's no no nightlife or whatever. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say. People aren't a, getting fucked up. Uh, but is this an endorsement for the lockout laws, Kev? It sounds well, like you're a fucking lockout uh, laws in, uh, endorsee. Not at all. That's a completely different situation. What? But from his point Kev of view... Kev Mitchell. Kev Mitchell. <laughs> he wants us to lock down all the pubs and clubs in Australia. He but, wants everything to be like Ocean Grove. <laughs> well, there's nowhere to go in Ocean Grove. So, you know, we've, we've always got that. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he was saying that, you know, from his point of view as a paramedic, he thought it, he got a sense that the public and the community were rallying behind his work and what he has to do, and mm. that he was really appreciative of it, you know? Well, that's good. I mean, I, I think, yeah, a- absolutely, if you, you know, the, the core demographic that wasn't listening to the advice was the, the young people that were still going out and catching up with their friends and, and drinking and stuff like that. So if that's if that's not the case down in Geelong, which let's face it has always traditionally been a bit of a party town, um, <laughs> then that's that's good news. Um, okay, uh, Oz Music T-shirt day I want to talk about. Uh, Triple J, Double J, 
uh, unearthed or all the different uh, parts of that part of the ABC are doing a, a special Oz Music T-shirt day that's happening on Friday, April the 17th. Um, I'm just going to play one of my favourite, a little bit of one of my favourite Australian artists now, this is Melody Poole, Pretty Little End, and then we'll talk about Oz Music T-shirt day. Day is basically encouraging everybody to do what they would normally do during the the, the the day in November, where you know traditionally in November the whole month is dedicated to supporting Australian music, and one of the days is all about wearing a band T-shirt. A lot of people listening to this podcast would know all about it. Um, you upload photos of yourself wearing a, a musician or band T-shirt, um, but uh, so what they're doing is they're they're going to have this Oz Music T-shirt Day on April seventeenth. Encourage people to buy merchandise uh, as a way to help support artists obviously um and they're going to be playing all australian content um on the day which um which i think is a a, a great idea i mean i think that there's an opportunity here and i would really love to see it taken up for this baton to be uh taken up more by commercial radio as well an opportunity to really for those kind of uh those kind of uh, entities to really get behind Australian music and just really play shitloads of it and support it and do like days where a special day where they, all they do is play Australian music and th- these mm. are these are real practical viable ways that those uh, radio stations and media outlets can can have a genuine effect on helping us you know yeah I mean uh, there has been a push um, APRA has definitely been pushing for the commercial stations to play more Australian music and I, I believe that the Triple M network um stepped up and said that they would but i mean yeah traditionally so i'm on the board i'm a board director apparently um for ppca and we do a lot of i didn't know they were giving those out in our cornflake boxes (laughs) cocoa pops mate (laughs) um but we do a lot of lobbying to um uh, to, to radio to, to raise the quota and also to raise that there's a one percent cap that commercial radio um, has to pay so one percent of their gross goes to Australian artists um, which is criminally small it's not a commercial number it's not a commercial figure it doesn't add up yeah so yeah we try we've been working at it for years and yeah I, I hope you're right I hope that that maybe this kind of you know goodwill that they might get from doing this kind of thing will will carry on post-COVID-19. I mean, I think, again, the music industry is is a an industry that's used to tough times and used to disruption, and we're kind of – we're pretty good at, like, 
being, I, you know, I don't want to use the word agile, but we, but I'm going to. You just did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I, think I did. Um, but, you know, like if you, uh, years and years ago, I saw this um, lecture at um, Macquarie Uni. I was the artist in residency there for a, for a week or something, like doing mentorship and stuff like this. And this. I saw this great lecture by Guy Morrow, who's a professor um, of media studies, I think. And he compared, he said, is a band a startup? And he, he compared what a startup is in terms of agile terminology and in terms of putting out minimum viable products and um, taking constant feedback and pivoting and all this kind of stuff. And he compared that to a band and he said, he basically said the music industry and bands are doing all this high level, um, you know, tech industry stuff and have done for years just to get by and they don't even really know that they're doing it. And as soon as you put that kind of terminology on what we do, it suddenly kind of legitimizes our whole industry a lot more. And this, our response to this whole crisis, I think, is is proving that. Like we are all using our creativity to, you know, bring communities together. We're the first ones to like quickly figure out how to like get mass, um, you know, messages out at the same time mm. to people about, you know, putting, you know, putting tiles on our Instagram pages and everything that also the same thing at exactly the same time so that anybody scrolling through the Instagram feed who follows a lot of musicians just has this same image again and again and again warning about, you know, hygiene issues and stuff like this. So I think, I think you know, we really, we're, we're pretty good at responding to this kind of stuff and I, I feel proud of the industry and I hope that, you know, one good thing that comes out of this is that there is a bit more of an open dialogue between industry, you know, and government and the music industry so that we don't, you know, so that the fact that we got shoved into the transport and infrastructure portfolio <laughs> yeah. is, is is something that doesn't happen again, you know, like it's, that's fucked. Yeah, I just going to be interesting to see how i don't know how that is going to get wound back unless there's a change of government but well I, there, surely there will be um <laughs> what, what australian music artists are floating your boat at the moment josh and uh what if on australian music t-shirt day april 7th 8th uh what's a what's a band t-shirt uh, that you might be uh, chucking on well i don't i don't actually have a t- i don't have many band t-shirts yeah, to be and do i <laughs> um i used to have but, heaps uh, yeah, I did in the nineties. I've still got my helmet <laughs> helmet t shirt from a great concert. Double bill, helmet and the Beastie Boys at the Horden. Oh uh, yeah, I I, I remember the I remember the poster. What a fucking show. And yeah. and then there was a double bill, it was Alice in Chains and Suicidal Tendencies. Oh my god, it was amazing. Anyway, um I don't have a t shirt, but a, a Australian artist that's I I love at the moment is and I'll tell you why. There's a story to it. So he, so there's this guy, Glenn Hopper, right? And he's he operates under the name Skinny Legions, yeah. and um, he also happens to be my kid's um, piano teacher. Right. So we had we just full disclosure. An ad. Full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. No, we answered an ad in um, you know on some music teacher's website. Um, you know, got some references and da 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 da. And he's just he's a great teacher for a start. And then, well, as we got to know each other over the first couple of weeks, I was like, "So, do you play in a band?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I play in a. I'm, I'm a solo artist. Um, my band is called Skinny Legends. Um, he plays all the stuff himself, produces it, recorded it all himself, and he was launching an album at the time. This is last year, uh, so we started listening to it, and it's so good. And he's, it's just, it's kind of like early Augie March and sort of neutral milk hotels, like right at my, right at my. Yes, house. that is your wheelhouse. Um, yeah, so I so I loved it, and then he's a really good piano accordion player as well. So on my new single, which I released last Friday, 
when I was recording it because I recorded it all here in my studio where I'm sitting talking to you now um, and I wanted a horn player and I wanted some accordion so I was like can you play the accordion and can you find one of your conservatorium of music um, mates to do play horns so he sourced the horn player and then he played piano accordion and a bit of piano on that track which went on to become the the first single of the um, album so Skinny Legions is my tip. Just really, it's kind of you know, it reminds me of early the Middle East as well. It's just, it's nice. really, really good. What about you? Um, I've really been getting into. Uh, well, I have really loved uh, Charlie Collins, her record, oh, yeah. Snow Pine. Yeah. Um, that I think it just, I think it came out last year. God, I, uh, anyway, last year was when I was listening to it. She's um, since put out a, a newer single and a. I'm sure there's another album on the way, but yeah, just really beautifully recorded, you know, like she's, she's been around for a while playing in different bands, but um, that record, like there's a real sense of her just um, shedding a lot of just, and I want to say this without, um, you know, sounding too critical, but um, shedding a lot of pretense and like, it just sounds really honest and like a lot of the layers seem to have fallen away, and she's she's made a she made a beautiful record called Snow Pine, and um, yeah, I, I've been really digging on that. I'm also really into. Um, have you heard of Ali Barter? So yes. Mel- yeah, yeah. 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 Um, she, I, she, I actually, uh, I, I met her because she, actually we played a gig together, uh, you know, some years ago. Um, but then, sometime last year, we were. Um, I was driving in the car with the kids in the back and we were listening to the radio and this song came on the radio and the girls, Ella, my oldest daughter, particularly was really getting into it. And, you know, so one of those songs about halfway through, she was singing along to it. It was a song called Issues. So we were listening to it and it was really cool. I was like, oh, when we get home, let's jump on Google and find out what this song is. So we looked it up and, and I was like, oh, shit, it's, uh, this is sung by Ali Barter. I know her. She's a local girl, um, and it turned out that that song "Issues" is a cover of a of a, a pop art, a European, I think, pop artist, a, a pop artist from overseas. And we so we listened to the original as well, which is totally different. Um, uh, we like we like the Ali Bada version, and um, and and it's and, and, and this does provide a good segue actually, because the next thing I wanted to talk about was online streamed music festivals. I I, I think you've taken part in one recently, and. I I'm did, about, yeah, just this last weekend. I'm about to as well. So let's talk about that after this. My saxes aren't a rescuer, an empathetic victim. For taking on my partnership, cause I sit there and listen. I tend to ignore warning signs, cause I don't wanna see them. And she says that's because of my interior demeanor Um, 
to get us here. The connection will soon become apparent. Um, but first, Josh, previous previous JP partnership yes. winner. Well, do you want to talk Lady. about that? Yeah, I, I I know that was like that was like a few years ago now, wasn't it? She was three years ago, and then it was uh, no, sorry, it was Gordy, then her, then uh, Angie McMahon, and then Eilish Eilish Gilligan last year. And the actual, the actually, the entries for that are closed uh today so to, i gotta start judging sort of in the next few days when we get all the information together it's a pretty good yeah, tra- man. pretty good track record i mean i, I mean it is a, it fucking is too eh? like it's it's they've all gone on to do great things yeah and i and i i mean they're all amazing and i i feel incredibly proud of doing that grant because like you know i i jointly fund it with my own money with apra um, and you know, it c- couldn't be a worse time in history for me to be doing that right now. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm committed to doing yeah, it. Yeah, so that's right. I'm that's important. Happy to do it. Um, so you played a, a an online, like a, a, a online streamed gig recently. Tell what, what was it? How did it go? Tell us about it. Yeah, so I did Isolade Festival um, on Sunday, and it was it was really good. It was they it was really well organised. Um, I think you know, there's like. A, a, a whole lot of acts playing 20 minute sets um and you just streamed it on your phone and you you were sort of encouraged to go to the the artist that was playing prior to use um instagram page and you can actually request to join their their stream and then you can say hey guys i'm going to be next so pop over to my instagram page and da da da, da. so for people uh, I, for people like me who are you know when it whenever <coughs> when it comes to technology a lot of this stuff does fly over my head how exactly does it work how did were people able to know where to go to see so all they had to do was just go onto your instagram at a particular time and it would just appear yeah so it was it was up to the artist playing so for, for instance for me you know i'd done several posts saying you know, I'm going to be doing this festival at 5:20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. Um, 5:20, playing for 20 minutes. Come along, and then when you hit go on your live stream on Instagram, it sends out notifications to everybody that follows you. Josh Park is starting a live stream, and then yep. people can can watch. And then afterwards, it gives you the option to save the live stream to your stories. And if you in Instagram, and if you wanted to, then you could save that story to your highlights to keep it there forever. Um, but I, I didn't do that. I, I sent it to stories and then I let it disappear. Well, I'm playing one on Saturday. Now, this is a, a, a festival called Delivered Live and it's supported by the Victorian state government, which, you know, oh. is, it's, it's really great. I, I think the funding is kind of directed towards regional and rural Victoria, um, obviously, being online streaming, you know, it's accessible to everybody. But um, I, I think that's, you know, where the funding kind of comes but from. When you say it's funded, as, as in you are getting paid a fee to do it? I'm getting paid a fee to do it. It's the only... Oh, that's good. It's fantastic. And it could only happen because of, you know, the because of it coming from the government. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's this Saturday. It's the other artists on a... Alex Leahy is playing and Ali Barter and... C.W. Stone King, even Henry Wagons, there's comedians as well. Um, so it's called Delivered Live. You can check out the website, deliveredlive.com.au. It's free to stream, but there's an option to buy tickets as well if you would like to through Oztix. So I'm just looking at the website now, and you know, they just have different payment options $10, $20, $30, going up to $250. Um, so far, 190 people have bought, have chosen to. Um, 
buy tickets at one of those levels. Um, and then do they just are they just going to divvy that up equally, or what is how does that work? Do you know? I I'm not exactly sure how that part of it works. I'm or afraid. are they going to divvy it up on like how many viewers certain artists get, and then they get a proportional amount of the money? Maybe that would be that would be a good way to do it. But it's I know democracy, that, baby. That that um, everybody's getting getting a, a fee. Um, but you know what's going to be really interesting about this, apart from the fact that I've never done a, a, a live streamed show before in my life, um, is that it's happening in this warehouse in the city in Melbourne, right? And oh, okay. So you actually ha- physically have to go to a place. Yes, to do it. right. Oh, and so everybody is going to be in hazmat suits. Yeah. Um, I just apparently rock up to this warehouse. I think it kicks off at five o'clock. I'm not exactly sure what time I'm playing yet, but um, um, but <clears throat> I've just turned up to this warehouse, get in there, plug in, play for twenty minutes, and then get the fuck out. Um, so it's going to be it's full production, is it? So it's like yes, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's so many. There's it's it is really interesting talking about this. So the when I did the ABC thing. The other day, obviously, there was no audience. Yes. They, lit- they literally had a measuring tape to make all the guests right. um, one and a half metres apart. I couldn't shake hands or, or touch anybody, obviously. All the tech crew h- who mic'd me up and everything were wearing masks and gloves and all that, yeah. which is great. But it's, it's the, the live streaming thing is interesting because the isolated thing was really lo-fi, right? So it's just yeah. literally on your people phone. At, people through- at home. And there was something I saw the thing for it. I mean, there were was there like over a hundred different people. I mean, there was a lot of yeah, yeah. People it's it's, it's enormous, you know. Yeah. Um, twenty minute sets again, and there were options. So the the organisers encouraged the artists to, you know, put up links on the on the bio in Instagram and, and direct people to to the links and set up like a donation page or a merch page or whatever it is you wanted to try and sell things. I I didn't I chose not to do that at this point because I wanted to. I'm doing a uh, a merch sale to raise money for support act for the Australian music t-shirt thing. Yeah. Um, but it does. So there's been a bit of criticism and a bit of chatter online amongst musos about whether or not the precedent of doing all these free streamed concerts is setting a, is setting a precedent that we may not bounce back from, which is again, expect uh, people, the public expecting stuff for free, right? M- music for free well, and content for free. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think I, I think that it, it get, that gets mitigated by the the twenty minute set thing. So my 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 feeling would be when it's like a literally a handheld phone and there's no real production value involved, and you're giving up twenty minutes of your time, and you're getting eyes that maybe you wouldn't have in the past, and you're generating goodwill and mm. bringing communities together. I'm I'm fine with that. I think if you if then people start expecting the production values to be higher and um, the sets to be longer, then I think that then you have to look at a model where in by which you get some kind of compensation for your time and also the, the you know the, the gear that you've had to invest in or the infrastructure that you've had to invest in to actually make it a good experience for people watching. So the one that you're doing sounds like full full production. You go to a location. It's all controlled. I can see why you would get paid for that you know that that makes a lot of sense i mean people like i think that we're i mean clearly we're in a situation that we've never been in before and so um in some ways i kind of feel like at the moment all all fucking bets are off with stuff i mean yeah 
and and it is very much in the artist's hands, you know. I mean, yeah, you just got you got to do what feels right for you. I mean, like I'm I'm looking into things like, um, so what I would love to do, and what what I'm looking into, is is some kind of model where I can play a show from my studio where I'm sitting, where I've got yeah. like. So I'm just, like the last time I tried to do a live stream from the studio, it fucked up. I told you, and I didn't have good enough internet, and I straight away <laughs> booked to get NBN put into my studio. Yeah. So when that all gets sorted out, and I've looked into the tech that would allow me to to take the output of my um, touring console, stra- which I rehearse through, right? So it's like full good quality audio. Yeah. Straight straight into the phone, um, to do to do better content, right? And I get my my feelings at the moment. Everyone's tapped out, right? Financially, emotionally. So I don't particularly want to charge people. Like I don't particularly want to say, okay, I'm going to do a show, a, a streamed show in 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 a couple of weeks. It's five bucks a ticket. I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah. So you have to get creative, and and you know, podcasters for years have just been doing branded exactly. content where they where totally. they say, you know. This show is brought to you by Squarespace. So, and and I know for a fact that there's loads of, particularly alcohol brands, that have lost a huge swathe of um, uh, places to advertise, i.e., pubs and clubs, right? That are looking to get their message out to the appropriate audience. So, you know, I think we got to think outside the square. I would love to do a, a like produce weekly content from my studio where I say. This you know this one's brought to you by whatever Four Pines or this one's brought to you by yeah whatever Carlton, um, and then you get paid a little bit of money to put on the content, which keeps the wolves from your door, and you are able to deliver the content to people without them having to do anything. You know, maybe, nothing maybe, at all. Maybe get a sweet little uh, carton of beer for free as well. Just right? get Just a fucking little case, mate. <laughs> Just get a tasty case. Just get I mean, a tasty slab, mate. We're all yeah. stuck at home, you know. We these are the things some of us may need. Oh, I mean, speaking speaking of that, I, you know, don't feel free not to answer this, but I am having to actively, actively monitor my alcohol alcohol content at the yeah. moment because, like, I literally don't put more than two two or three beers in the fridge at one time, and I'm just like, when that's done, that's done, because otherwise, I, you know, I would I think I'd be drinking quite heavily. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. I was thinking about that actually before we. Before we spoke, I mean, the look. <laughs> I was reading an article not that long ago from someone in Italy. Um, it was doing the rounds on social media. A lot of people might have come across it, but basically, this guy was sort of talking through all the. He was basically saying, "This is what it's going to look like for you in a few weeks' time, right?" Coming from someone in Italy who's gone through, <laughs> um, and he mentioned a whole bunch of stuff, and it, it was really beautifully written, actually. But um, there were a couple of things he mentioned that I found interesting. You know, he, sort of he kept mentioning how often you'd be eating. You know, <laughs> right. and I could definitely, I can, and he also said, you know, how much more you were drink, drinking. I can definitely see, and we're only, you know, a week into a sort of isolation situation, and it's going to be going on for weeks longer. Yes, I reckon I'm going to come out of this a few kilos heavier. <laughs> um, <laughs> from from the from the eating and the drinking, but no, I mean, look, and and just the not walk. Like, I mean, we, yeah. neither of us walk to work anyway. But like, for all the people out there that would normally walk, you know, even five hundred meters from the train station to their office or whatever every day, five days a week. That's you know, that's something. And we're not we're not doing that. 
We, yeah. We've got a trampoline in our backyard and we've, we've basically scheduled 15 to 20 minutes of trampolining That's awesome. to the kids into the kids' routine because otherwise they just sit around reading, you know, well, I mean, which is a well, great problem to too. have. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been, it's been really great these last few few days because the weather down here has been, you know, really nice. I think it's going to rain tomorrow. But the last few days have been beautiful and, you know, we're really lucky. We've got, you know, a, 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 a modest kind of backyard, but it's big enough for the kids to be able to run around and, yeah. But like, you, you live on a close to the beach as well, right? We live really close to the beach. So as it stands at the moment, you know, you're allowed to use the beach as a thoroughfare. You you know, you're just not allowed to stop on the beach, but walking <laughs> along the beach is fine. I'm serious. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. This, no, this is it. But I yeah. also live on a stretch of beach, which is a good few kilometers away from the main beach. So really the only people that use that are the people that live locally anyway, walking their dogs and all that kind of stuff. It's so Luke. It's, it's Luke always beach. It's always pretty pretty empty, um, but so yeah. So I mean, you know, we're lucky. What's your What's your, what's your postcode? Well, it's Ocean Grove. But what's your postcode? Why do you want to know? Three. I just want to know if three. I want to know if you've got it tattooed across your chest. You're, <laughs> a, you're a local boy. It's I a did. local beach. No, mate. I got it it's across, local. I've, I got it um, tattooed on my bum because I was a little bit. You oh. know, I didn't want anybody to see it. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's really cute. <laughs> no, no, there's no postcodes tattooed anyway. Um, hey, right. uh, you. So I noticed too that um, you. Well, not only do you have a new single out because you've performed it on Q and A, but also you've mm. um, announced your tour. This is an opportunity, basically, Josh. So what I'm doing is I'm tr- giving you the opportunity to subtly plug the things that you have happening at the moment and. Okay. 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 Um, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the single came out, which is, which is. I mean, it'd be interesting to know if, if this is, if the fact that everyone's kind of at home more, streaming music more, has, imp- you know, increased that kind of stuff. But it's it's going great. I actually had some funny news this week. That my my single, the summer, has nine year old single has gone had just gone gold, which is oh, wow. which is funny. So it's like you know. Again, people, um, yeah, because people. Oh, sorry, go. On. No, well, I'm just. I was just going to say, like, um, you know, for the benefit of people listening, um, uh, streaming has now become incorporated in the um, uh, the sales figures. Yeah, ARIA yeah. accreditations yeah. and stuff. So now, when you and I'm pretty sure, so whenever you see the charts or gold or platinum accreditations and stuff for for songs and albums, it it um, incorporates. All the streaming. I know. I'm not sure the f- how exactly they work that out. I, oh, it's a, it's a complicated system. Yeah. It, it's so in terms of the the rough rule of thumb is that 175 streams equals one sale right. of one song. Okay. So when you're doing it based purely on a single, it's it's I think it's relatively easy to gauge. But when you're trying to figure that out over the course of a uh, album, apparently what they do is the first three songs on an album are always the ones that get streamed most because people yeah. just that's just people ha- how people consume it. So they scale that and average it out across the rest of the album and and do it like that. But it, I guess my point is about streaming before when people poo poo it is that back in the day, like if you released a single on as a physical single, that's it. You get one, you know, you get one sale and then. People listen to it at home, but they don't. They don't go and buy it again. You know what yeah. I mean. And also, it's very hard to discover a, an old single from nine years ago. Now, you know, you totally. might hear it on the radio, or you might remember it, or whatever. So, streaming has given this particular song and songs like "Middle of the Hill" and stuff like that, you know, a huge second life. Um, and yeah. you know, they get on playlists and stuff like that. So it's 
you know, I'm 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 all for it. But that that's anyway. So to back to what we were talking about, I have rescheduled my dates for October, and mm. yeah, all the all the info is up on my website. Um, and I guess f- doing that, you're kind of forecasting that, you know, best case scenario, <coughs> um, there that by October we will be in a situation where maybe um, we're starting to um, uh, relax some of the uh, laws or regulations around gatherings of people. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're all crystal ball gazing, aren't we? But yeah. I guess, you know, one thing is that all of the – because these shows were meant to be these, like, intimate shows, the first shows back. So all the venues are under 500 capacity. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is, I guess, more likely – those yes. sorts of size gatherings will be, uh, b- you know, allowed at that point. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. But what, yeah, what about you, man? What what are you doing with your with your record? We talked last time about you've recorded it and it's all kind of ready to go. What do you? What's your plan? You said you were talking to your manager about various things. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we had a chat today, and yeah, like some good news in terms of government subsidies. It looks like there's a couple uh, that will uh, that I'll. Be, a, be able to apply for from you know as a as a business entity um yep. which is really encouraging um and that's a mixture of like um without going into too much kind of detail but um a mixture of like uh just a straight sort of uh cash deposit through to like um regular uh payments i think which come in line with the um uh, what do they call it? Sta- job keepers. Job keeper. Job yeah. Keeper. So there was job job seeker and job keeper. Yeah. And then there was some PAYG tax relief for corporate entities as well. And mm. yeah, it's a, it's it's a, but it's it's a lot to get through. It's a lot to kind of try and understand. Yeah, but uh, I mean that was that was encouraging though because it was the first time since all this has happened that <clears throat> I've you know there's been any real sense that any of these government stimulus packages apply to me. Like up until then, yeah. it was everything that was coming through was like, that's great, that's great, that's great. But, oh, no, I can't, no. Yeah, no. yeah same here. And it's like yeah. what we were talking about in Q&A and what we've talked about in this podcast, you know, and I thought you you um, illustrated it, you know, articulated it really well on Q&A is just the, the, uh, the reality that, you know, as musicians – we do fall through a lot of the cracks, you know. We, mm. we, we by, always have. Just by nature of our work and the structure of our business, we do fall through a lot of cracks. So it was very heartening today to find out, okay, well, maybe I might, you know, I might get a little bit of assistance that will sort of get us through the year. I mean, the thing that worries me the most, I guess, and as I'm sure worries a lot of people, is just the there's just the not knowing that, you know, we just – don't know how long this is going to last. Um, I, I'm I'm being cautiously optimistic and sort of you know, and I th- that's based on th- what uh, some of experts are saying is that you know a sort of six a, a basic sort of six month scenario might mean that yeah we're sort of back in action by October when you're doing your tour and um, and if that's the case then um, then I think I'll be able to um, you know just get get back to work um yeah but you know i mean the 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 worst case scenario is i guess something that no one really wants to kind of dwell upon um but that's that it could you know go well into next year and then you know but who knows what that's what's going to happen there i guess all we can really do in this situation is just kind of 
really kind of take it week by week, month by month. Um, yeah, I know the, the the difficulty for the music industry um, and and all the arts really is that for our economy to for our industry to thrive, we need um, people. Like traditionally, the music industry is all based on investment in potential, right? So you need somebody to. I mean, you and I both, we promote our own tours. Like, we're technically promoters of our own tours, right? So, we, we fund our tours up front. So, you know, I don't, think it's, I don't think I'm disclosing too much information to say that, you know, when an average artist goes out on the road playing, you know, shows between 500 to 1,000 capacity, you know, they have to invest, you know, 100 oh, totally. to 200, 200,000 bucks into the tour, which is very much not guaranteed that they'll make that money back. Yeah. So the, the the difficult thing will be at the end of this whole isolation period, um, you know, everyone's going to be very tapped out financially. And I think, I think punters will have an appetite to go back out and see shows because it's the old... Uh- you know, it's the old thing of like in the in World War Two and the Depression, people would still spend, you know, five bucks on a on a thing of lipstick or or, or a, ni- a nice hat or something like that because oh, yeah, it gave they'd them- go to the cricket. You know, people would yeah. go go nuts for sports. You know, but they out- they might not buy a house or go on an expensive holiday, yeah, but they'll yeah. go they'll go see a gig. So I'm not so much worried about the appetite for people to do it, but I, I'm worried that the people that need to invest big chunks of cash in Re, you know, firing this industry back up just might not be in a position to to do that. Like promoters and artists yeah. need to invest another. You know, like you're a, you're a independent artist. We all know, and again, this is not this is not details about your particular record, but we all know that you know, putting out a record, creating a record is is basically the the smallest cost. It's promoting the record and and all the other things that go along with it that are super expensive. So it's. That's the thing that concerns me is that at the end of this, nobody's really in a position to to fire it all back up again. And I'm I'm also really concerned about what happens in six months' time um, for all of those small venues and mm. and restaurants and all of those small businesses that rely on on gatherings of people. Um, I'm just I'm really concerned about how many of those are going to be able to survive, and and when we do come out yeah. at the end of it, you know, how many are still viable? We could lose a lot of uh, you know great venues, and I and that's not to say that I don't think we can recover and the industry will recover, and it always does. But um, just might take longer than we than we think. Yeah. I mean, I think so. The the small venues thing is an important one to talk about because there's and and I could be this could be old information now. They could have rectified this, but. There was a there was a, a limit on the rent relief for venues. So the the government's put in place rent relief for large venues, but that but it was for venues that had um, revenue of over three million dollars a year. And a lot of small venues don't have no. revenue of over three million dollars a year. And those are the venues that emerging artists cut their teeth at. Yeah, uh, you know. And you know, again, I think that we're an industry that copes well with disruption, and we'd always find a way to to keep you know, getting our art out into the world. So, I'd, you know, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll do stuff like, you know, more house concerts or, or you know, like just kind of illegal shows like we all used to do. But I think <laughs> that's, you know, I think, I think it'd be a real shame if this, if this kind of, if one whole chunk of the ecosystem couldn't, couldn't sustain themselves beyond this. All right, mate. Well, let's, uh, let's wind it up. Um, I, I did, I actually downloaded, paid for and downloaded your, uh, Sing, new single i don't know thank today. you so, so much so um so does that is it okay if i uh play a little bit of it as we uh as we go out 
I would be on this honored. episode. <laughs> I would be honored. It would be my honor. All right. And uh, should we catch up again in a couple of weeks and see how we're traveling? I'd love that. I think we should do that. Awesome. Hey, actually, you know what we should do? Let's yep. let's make the next one branded. Let's get a brand on board for the next one. Anyone oh. listening who can hook us up with, you know, even if it's just a slab, a, a nice hot cold slabber, <laughs> slabber beer. <laughs> slabber Just get forex. us a nice slab each. Um, maybe on Forex. Uh, yeah, or, you know. Actually, ma- beggars can't be choosers. Forex is fine. Forex is fine. Maybe, maybe you know, if you wanted to email me at goodevansbobcast at gmail. Dot com, um, you might be able to. There might maybe you've got some merchandise ideas for the podcast. I, um, I actually had a great idea for a sponsor for for this kind of thing. Yeah, Glenn Glenn Twenty. <laughs> because you know how like we musicians take Glenn Twenty out microphones at, at, all right. the time for the yeah, microphones. Yeah. Well, I don't, but I've Glenn seen 20. other people do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are part of the problem, my friend. <laughs> Uh, all right, mate. It was great to chat to you again. Um, awesome. Yeah, look after yourself. Uh, you too. And yeah, let's catch up in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Speak soon. All right, see you, mate. There's a sound from the sky I can hear in the night From where it comes from, I'm unsure Like a cold, callous call And I know who it's for Hug my knees to my chest and I wait the dawn. And I don't know, I don't know if I want to outgrow this feeling of otherness. Cause I'll never know God, for you can't hold the fall of your dreams as they leave you and break for the dawn. So three, wait, so three, two, one, and then clap, yeah. Or or do you want to clap on the one? Let's let's go three, two, one, clap. Okay, yeah, on the same. Okay, ready? Yep. Three, Three, two, two, one, one, clap. Now that that that, well, that actually went well for me that time. All right, you you can you can sort that out. (laughs) It will be right. It was pretty easy last time. Okay, you ready? Let's let's do this. Yeah.